Hey everyone, welcome to episode 142 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. With me as always is Collins Mullen, I'm Chris Castor-Raffle. How's it going Collins? What's up Chris? We are talking about some pioneer today and you've been working on modern as well a little bit yeah mostly i haven't played a ton of modern but i did a deep dive into the modern metagame Mm -hmm. uh i did a little spreadsheeting okay (laughs) so uh, yeah i got some stuff to talk about cool cool yeah Yeah. i'm looking forward to that i've been looking at lists but i haven't really Mm -hmm. gone deep into it besides like okay everybody's playing Luris. So spoilers. I, I have some actual numbers to back that up. Great. So. <laughs> I would love to love to see and hear them. So yeah. that sounds good. Yep. Before we get into it, want to take a second and thank our patrons. We really, really appreciate your continued support. If you would like to give us some support, head over to patreon.com slash MTG Grindcast. And that would be super, super cool. We're not gonna do a keeper mall today. As Collins said a moment <laughs> ago when I asked, I just haven't had very many interesting hands lately. So why don't yeah. Is there a reason for that? I think there is. <laughs> What's that? Um, well, part of it's the London Mulligan. Yeah. Where Mulligan decisions used to be like on this really thin line, mm-hmm. right, before the London Mulligan, because mulliganing could be very punishing. So yeah. there are some borderline hands where you're like, you know, should I keep it? Should I mulligan? I could be really punished for that. In London now, though, you just like any borderline hand, I just mulligan. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think twice about it. Yeah. And I often your sixes are going to be pretty great mm-hmm. because of the London Mulligan. Also, <laughs> new addition, <laughs> you get an eighth card in your hand yeah. every time. So now there's like a whole new subset of hands that you open and, you know, where before you were like, maybe this is like a little too many lands. Now you're just like, I, give me all the lands. I want all the lands. I got plenty of gas. <laughs> I just want to make sure I hit my land drops. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so those at least work kind of at odds with each other because the mm-hmm. companion sort of like makes more hands keepable. Sure. And the London Mulligan encourages you to mull more. Mm-hmm. But also, the that means that any hand that is light on lands and like kind of clunky, you just like automatically mulligan because you know you have another spell. So right. I guess the companion just helps regardless of what the decision is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, and companions, I think your mulligan decisions are going to be one of the many facets of magic heavily impacted by yeah. our new friends. Dude, four land hands are, are where it's at. <laughs> Way for the future. Yeah. Even, like, you know, especially the Luris decks. You're, like, you you really want to hit your fourth and fifth land drop. Yeah. Just to, so you can have those good, powerful Luris turns. Yeah. Well, at least in modern, like, you can just Luris on three mana and get a card. Yeah. Like, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Bobble. Luris and Bobble is modern now i don't know if you got the memo i did get the memo i've looked at the lists (laughs) yeah that's yeah it's it's what's happening and right like until something changes and by that i mean until wizards bans luris or you know gets rid of the companion mechanic or something right that's just how it's gonna be yep so do we want to jump straight into that yeah let's just jump into it why don't you just sort of talk to me about what you have been seeing in modern and Mm -hmm we'll we'll just springboard off of that and go from there so right so i mean you know surface level the the luris is the most dominating element of modern right now Mm -hmm. um and there are a couple of things that are breaking away from that we also have the other playable companion uh yorion making a pretty big impact into modern uh in the latest modern challenge we saw a mirror between cory baumeister and dylan donegan in the 
Yorian Arosa mm-hmm. showdown. We gotta combine all three of those names. That's gotta be a Yorioza. Yeah, perfect. You did <laughs> oh <it>. no. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it is a mouthful to say, even just one after the other. So mm-hmm. I, some some solution needs to be found for sure. I don't know if Yorioza is it, but it sounds like a breakfast cereal, maybe. But yeah. I'm gonna stick but with th- it. there was a, there's a long tradition of naming Magic the Gathering decks after breakfasts. Okay. Breakfast cereals at yeah. the beginning, and then it kind of you know. So it's just a marriage of all of the things. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Great. That deck significantly less represented though than these Lotus mm-hmm. decks. So I did a kind of like a data scrape of MTG Goldfish, where I went through and I imported all of the the preliminaries and the premier events. Mm-hmm into a big spreadsheet and mm-hmm. then i tinkered with it until i got some interesting numbers okay let's so, hear about some of those 205 total deck lists okay 104 of them contained Luris. oh geez yeah and so <laughs> and these are the things yeah. that show up on goldfish so these yeah. are the top 32s right yeah so definitely a big asterisk here this is the winner's share right. this is the winner's metagame it's not a picture of everything else but it is a picture of what is doing well right now mm-hmm. so Luris is Completely everywhere. The two most popular decks are Luris Jund and Luris Burn. Yeah, Luris Jund actually just grabbed the number one metagame spot on mm-hmm. Goldfish I saw, which yeah. is, like, this. that's the first time Jund has hit that in a very long time. Yeah, and, and I'm going to take a deep dive into why that I think that's the case, because okay. I've been within this Luris world. Mm-hmm. There are actually a lot of things that you can do with it. So as long as you can get over the fact that you have to have a Luris in your deck, yeah, there's, a, like, a pretty wide range of, like, how you're going to tackle that yeah and like what the good techie things to do right now are mm-hmm. but first i want to talk a little bit about the yorion decks amongst the 205 deck lists there were only seven yorion decks okay but they all were performing very very well mm-hmm. so i don't know if it's like people just haven't started tinkering with yorion yet or if it's like secretly better than everything else because the win percentages of the yorion decks were like close to 90 percent super small sample size and it's only pulled from like these few deck lists that did well but the the ones that did show up did really really well so i guess like the rest were just like it also might be a bad limited availability of that deck list thing Mm -hmm. this is a list that's being passed around like the circles of people that we know so like dylan donegan has it and Corey baumeister has it and only like you know, seven players who really know how to play Magic had that deck, you know? Something yeah, yeah. like that. Right. But it, it was this weird concept where, like, there were a lot of deck lists to go through, but the only Urion deck lists were high performers in premier events. Like, <laughs> so not even the preliminaries. Yeah. They didn't show up at all, I don't think, in the preliminaries. Uh, but, like, all of them had, like, a, you know, an 8, like, a 9-0-8-1 record <laughs> um, in these events. Interesting. Yeah. That, that feels like... A decklist availability thing to me, then. Maybe. Right. So if more people start working on that... So I do suggest people start working on that. For sure. Um, I think that Luris has certainly taken over Pioneer in a big way, mm-hmm. but I really, really think that Urian decks are where it's at okay. right now. But for Modern, L- this Luris metagame has kind of evolved, and amongst the Luris decks, the ones I like the most mm-hmm. are Jund, Burn, obviously, but also there's this other subset of like blue interactive Luris decks hmm. that don't really play a lot of creatures okay so i saw one build that was playing blue black delver i've seen yeah so these are all like yeah. cryptic command archmage's charm yeah. decks. some of them don't all go all the way up to arc to cryptic command mm-hmm. but 
yeah, Archmage's Charm, Counter Spells, right. Interactive Black Spells is the idea. And your Mystic Sanctuary deck. Yeah, I've seen some that are you know, that are black and have Thought Seizes and stuff. And mm-hmm. I've seen some that are not that and just like pull from other of the blue sort of mid-rangey control decks. But yeah, definitely right. like Luris Blue is a mm-hmm. sub-archetype here yeah. for sure. And I think it is really strong. And it was one of the first things I was playing with earlier on. And I did have Delvers in my deck, mm-hmm. but Jerry Thompson tweeted his version that did go a lot bigger and played Cryptic Commands and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he just had three Snapcaster Mages... And his and his Luris and to win the game. <laughs> <laughs> so so the cards that Luris is getting back are obviously Luris great with Snapcaster Mage. Sure. Um, but then Bobbles and I guess like Astrolabes or whatever end up in your graveyard. Yeah. Jerry had Astrolabes. I actually don't like Astrolabe in this deck. Mm-hmm. You it's like the only way of getting it in your graveyard is by thought scouring yourself. Yeah. And that's kind of like, you know, pretty incidental. Right. So unless um, it's actually doing something for your mana mm-hmm. or right. you're using it somehow but you're kind of not in a in most Luris decks unless yeah. you're four colors. Right. But my favorite package is four bobbles and two Nihil spell bombs. Okay, sure. And the spell bombs are beautiful in this metagame because everybody has a Luris. Yep. So if you can like find the tempo advantage to be the first to resolve your like spell bomb, like having the spell bomb in play inval- invalidates your opponent's Luris. Mm-hmm ability sure um and it's just another cycle card that you can like once you've established control over the game it's like your fifth and sixth mistress bobble right and that was always the question like with emery mm-hmm. is like what is the last you know right. the fifth and maybe sixth cycle card right depending on the metagame like a lot of times it was either spell bomb sometimes it was nile spell bomb but Often people were grabbing Nile Spellbomb when it wasn't right to. Yeah, yeah. But now, yeah. Nile now Luris is just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like the spell bombs. I think that all of my Luris decks are going to have that 4-2 split. And I don't really, aside from Burn, obviously, like I think that that's appropriate in Jund, but not everybody's picked it up yet. I think a lot of people have picked it up. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a, such a good core to the deck. And, and Jund can do things like that now you can play these like cantrippy cards in jund because you don't have to build around bloodbird elf anymore Mm -hmm. because you're building around Luris as your card advantage engine right yeah but yeah so i was playing a lot of the blue versions and i was kind of thinking that i'd be able to go over the top of these jund versions Mm -hmm. it just wasn't how it played out Mm. i was still like we're fundamentally playing this mid-rangey grind fest yeah and Jund is just the best at that right now. Well, and Cryptic Command can't be that good when everybody's deck is like Only all two cards times. with two <laughs> CMC or less and yeah. some spells. Right. No, exactly. For sure. And I was even having that problem with Archmage's Charm. Mm. It was just so clunky. Yeah. It's three mana. Yeah. I mean, Luris's <laughs> deck building rule just makes counter spells worse for yeah. the format. Yeah. Counter spells and my blue black Luris decks just did not include Thoughtseize. Sure. Because you just I felt like the way that the games were gonna play out, like if you draw a late Thoughtseize, yeah, it's just the worst thing. Yeah, if you um, if you Thoughtseize them once they are bobbling, <laughs> like that's terrible. Right. And if Luris is the most important card for the matchup, like the best thing that Thoughtseize really can be doing would be then protecting your Luris from their removal spell. Mm-hmm. But that's not like you need Thoughtseize to be able to take a proactive role too. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, like maybe finding that spot and like using your discard spell to snipe whatever the removal spell is so that you can start your Luris engine. Like I, I could see 
you know, including it for that reason. And Jund does play discard spells mm-hmm. and probably utilizes them fine. I just preferred the counter spells in the blue-black version, but I think that in the setting that we're in, counter spells and discard aren't great. So mm-hmm. I'm moving away from the blue-black version sure. towards the Jund version. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Luris is just the format like yeah in every way like the format right. is built around Luris, mm-hmm. and it just i mean like one thing that i kind of want to go uh, go over is like what are the rules kind of the rules of engagement of the format now like what yeah. do you have to be thinking thinking about when building your deck what do you have to be building around and what do you have to be just like planning for if right. you're gonna play in a modern tournament at this moment yeah i mean i do I think that if you're not have if you don't have the core of Luris and Bobble in your deck, you definitely need to make sure that you can outgrind or in some other capacity go over the top of these decks. So other decks I saw performing well were Ad Nauseum mm-hmm. um, and a decent showing of Amulet Titan as yeah. well. Um, those are two decks that were kind of like are able to just ignore what the Luris deck is doing mm-hmm. and go over the top in some way. And Luris decks cannot play Blood Moon, right? Yeah, very true. That's just, <laughs> you're just not going to be able to. Ad nauseum, I think, is getting a lot worse because of Jund. Because Jund, it, now that Jund has demonstrated itself to be really popular, Ad nauseum was mostly trying to prey on the fact that the metagame was all burn decks. Mm-hmm. But now Jund is the more popular Luris deck. And I think Ad nauseum is just out from that point. Sure. But Amulet Titan can compete pretty well with a Jund deck and mm-hmm. go over the top of that and you know feel the dead and all of that good stuff so right well and that's true for now uh and i have seen most of these loris decks not running very many engineered explosives mm-hmm. but if you want to beat an amulet deck and you know you can you have enough removal to deal with like the titan and like a dryad or whatever mm-hmm. and then you can also recur engineered explosives to solve field of the dead like you know i'm sure that a Jund, a Loris Jund 75 that wants to take Amulet into account yeah. can do that. Yeah, I think so. You know, it may be a matter of just, like, striking with Amulet while you can, and then, <laughs> you know, if adjustments are made, then you have to pick a different sort of over-the-top deck. I, I don't think that you can play a non-companion deck and try to in, interact with the Loris decks on a card advantage or grindy yeah. axis. I think that's a losing battle. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, something like Titan when they don't have the answers for your stuff. Or Ad Nauseum when it was Burn, obviously, was was fine. Um, Obviously, like, Storm is kind of out because Burn is the second most popular Luris deck still. And (laughs) yeah, that's that's a huge problem. is still playable pretty well. And you can't even bolt the Eidolon and then, like, take, like... Right. You have to play a long game. The turn you go off, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know exactly what deck works because yeah like a lot of traditional combo decks are not going to work against like the combination of burn and jund is the two most popular luris decks like one of those decks is very good against any deck that's trying to do things on sort of a non-traditional metric like tron you could build it to be good against luris jund Mm -hmm. but then you're gonna have an opponent who just cast goblin guide against you (laughs) yeah so i guess you're on like Thrag Tusk, main deck Thrag Tusk for Worm Coil Engine, sure. Tron or something like that. Yeah, you definitely have to. Yeah, Tron is not a deck I would want to bring against, a, you know, a, it's still like close to 10 to 15% burn in the metagame. Yeah, so. probably a little too much. 
I never want to like give up. You know, I always <laughs> want to be like, yeah, what's the thing? Like, how what do can you, we do? How, how do we, we do something else? Right. Chisel your way into this format. Do a thing that catches the most popular decks. But yeah, those two decks really do compete on like axes that are hard to address yeah. with the same type of strategy, even though there is one way of dealing with the companion card advantage. And that's like, make a lot of mana, do big things. Like, right. Don't let the game go super long. Yeah. Well, and, you know, there is also these Zerion mm-hmm. Rosa decks. Yeah. And I do think in terms of competing on a card advantage axis, mm-hmm. they hold their own. Right. Well, they um, are a companion deck, so. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, <laughs> Yorion, you know, it draws a million cards in this deck. Yeah. It's really crazy. So, yeah, like, if you are if you can set up the game to be able to deal with your opponent's graveyard or Lurus in some way and that is how these games play out most of the time mm-hmm. is that like you, you grind and grind and then you force your opponent into a spot where they have to cast their Lurus, and then you're ready for that and you kill it and you exile the graveyard and that's it so what are the cards in these yuri index well just like i mean you don't need to list all 80 but just sort of like go over what what these <laughs> too lists. many chris i don't know i can't count that high <laughs> so these are obviously astrolabe yeah decks 80 cards uh-huh. it's just all of the cards that we've seen in Urosa before you just don't have to cut any you just, anymore you kind of just don't have to cut anymore so you, you know like you have all of the threats in uh you know uro urza mm-hmm. um emery goose and so you have that like core shell yeah. and then like i think that the where the decks get like more body is in like the artifacts that they play and mm-hmm. stuff you can play um with the 60 card decks with emery we are used to talking about like okay what's our like fifth and sixth like card that we can play with emery but they actually want to play a lot more so they are playing spell bombs Mm -hmm. um of multiple varieties (laughs) because um you know it's just free free to include um and uh and then i think that their spell package is just denser like it's more four of instead of two of sure and that is a small advantage of an 80 card deck you know there's there's a, a reasonable number of disadvantages obviously which is right. why we never played 80 cards before but it does take that list does take advantage of the deck size in that you can play more mystic sanctuaries without mm-hmm. drawing them yeah. as your third land or whatever mm-hmm. and that's good that's that's good and you also just kind of get more room for like techy little one ofs that over a long game you have a good chance of milling into your graveyard or right. drawing so. And it is cool how, like, Emery and Lurus mm-hmm. are the same card in a lot of capacities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this deck gets to play Urion and also have access to a, like, draw a card from a graveyard every mm-hmm. turn kind of kind of deal. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think that gives it a big edge. Oh, another card that it's playing four of now is the the green <laughs> Astrolabe. It's oh, like, the the enchant land. Mm-hmm. Um, it, when it comes to play, you draw cards. It's just another thing. That yeah, you can flicker. Yeah, yeah. It's like an abundant growth. Or it, I is, think it is might that be the name abundant, of the card? abundant growth. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. It's just extra astrolabes. Sure. Yeah, like because astrolabe is just the best thing to have with uh, your ion. Yeah, so might as well get some more. Yeah, although those easy ones. Like, like, there's no Astrolabe in Pioneer, so the Pioneer Urian decks have had to reach a little farther to some, like, kind of interesting comes-into-play effects. Sure. Um, and so there there have been some really neat ones. Um, and we're talking about Modern right now. We'll talk about Pioneer in a bit, but I really like uh, Trial of Ambition as one of the, yeah. <laughs> the blink targets in Urion. No, that's pretty good. I like it. 
Yeah, and we like we know from standard that Uriah works really well with fires. Mm-hmm. In a similar fashion, Uriah works amazingly with Urza. You just, just untaps. You tap all your artifacts yeah. to cast it because <laughs> it's blue. Yeah, and then you flicker them, and each a lot of these artifacts draw you a card, and then you just and have you get cryptic. another. You know, you get another Urza token, yeah. and then you have your counterspells open. Yeah, it's crazy, and it's kind of like yeah, when you cast Urza that turn, you often still have a counterspell open mm-hmm. again. Like if you keep the Urza in play, yeah, like then you cast a Urine and you still have all your counter spells open yeah it's pretty gross yeah that's that's very cool that's really powerful mm-hmm. so if you're looking to tackle all of these lurus decks and format is literally half lurus decks probably should even be more but you know yeah i yeah i, I really do like this um this urza deck okay mm-hmm. yeah but if you're not looking for some grindy game to play that's just the modern world right now. Sorry. <laughs> and it was... Like, you can play Burn, so, you know, there's... Right, but Burn with a card advantage engine. Burn but... with a card... Yeah, no, it's, like, it's better in that regard, but also the format it has become very punishing to Burn. Mm-hmm. Burn was, like, the first deck that, like, hoisted the Loris flag and was like, look at me! Right, and it didn't like... have to change anything to right. the Loris in, yeah. so... But a result of that is that everybody else in modern was like, all right, got to beat Burn. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. guess what? You can do that <laughs> right. if you're trying to beat Burn. Right. Fatal Pushes and Lightning Bolts and Galvanic Blasts are still good. Yeah. And they're not only good against the Burn strategy, but they're good against the upgrade, which is that Burn has Luris now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the age-old strategy of play cheap removal to beat Burn, like, still applies. Yeah. Still applies, certainly. It's just sometimes you need to hold the removal a little bit longer because they always have Luris, so you gotta right. deal with that one. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's yeah. modern, I guess. Yeah. Well, just to like talk about like some of the deck building like ways decks have been leaning that it looks like from from the list that I've been looking at. Basically, don't do graveyard stuff except right. if you're like touching on it because. Yeah. Luris means that people are willing to bring some amount of graveyard hate. Uh, not that it's great against Luris, but if it works within your strategy, like having a spell bomb in your Emery deck or whatever. There are a lot of main deck Nihil spell bombs. Yeah. Yeah. So don't play Dredge because people have main deck Nihil spell bombs. And also all the Luris decks can just draw Tormod's Crypt and lock you out of the game. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's that's a rule for this format for sure is just don't play Dredge generally. Have access to cheap removal for the Luris decks. And, you know, this is one place where, I, where like, Jund shines compared to Burn is, like, mm-hmm. if you load up on cheap removal versus Jund because they do have some creatures and they have Luris, they can beat that. They just, like, play a Renin 6 and then they just, like, card advantage you out. Yeah. No, and honestly, having a secondary, like, card advantage engine outside of Luris mm-hmm. is really important. And Jund gets access to two of those. It gets access to Dark Confidant mm-hmm. and uh, Ren and Six. Yeah. Both of which are really, really good. And then also I found that, like, getting the permanents like that off of the board is also really important. And Jund has access to Abrupt Decay. Mm. And Abrupt Decay is phenomenal right now. That makes sense. Yeah. And those elements are kind of why I moved away from the blue-black version. Because, like, one of the things that really brought me into the blue-black version was, like, ooh, I can protect my Luris with counterspells. Mm-hmm. And that's the it, right? That's the game. Yeah. But then my opponent abrupt it. And I was sad. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but right. Like, 
I hated setting up Delver of Secrets with Days and mm-hmm. Legacy, mm-hmm. and or even Force of Will, and right. then your opponent just like abrupt decays it, and you're yeah. like, "Excuse me." Right. Well, the same is true now in Modern, but with Force and Negation. Yeah. So it's true. Just true. Not the best. Yeah. No. Uh, abrupt decay definitely great when everybody's playing decks where all of their non-land permanents die to abrupt decay. <laughs> it, yeah, they just have to by definition. So, um, although I guess you aren't getting a mana advantage out of it very often although you can always target Luris with it so yep. they they always have a three so yeah abrupt decay sounds fantastic mm-hmm. and you know the other card like we talked about blood moon can't do that mm-hmm. choke can't do that nope boil though Ooh, not a permanent yeah i got boiled <sighs> didn't feel good oh boy <laughs> it never does uh yep it was also entirely off of my radar. Yes. So the boil when it's just like not a card that you're even thinking about is, it's like, oh, uh, oh yeah, I lose. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess I'll just put all of my lands in the graveyard. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that was that was a rude awakening for sure. Yeah. I think very clearly top two decks are John Lurus and the Erosa decks. Yep. Yeah. So I kind of was going over the rules of modern like don't play graveyard stuff and then my last one here is just like probably just play luris kind of in whatever deck and then mm-hmm. this is the one that i was like mentioning this is from the the super qualifier this is just like tarmogoyfs and snapcaster mages and ice fang quaddles and cryptic commands and lightning bolts and luris <laughs> Yeah, you just and get to play just... all of the good cards that are two mana creatures. Yeah, there are just, plenty of them. It's just a teamer control deck, just splashing Luris out of off of Arkham's Astrolabes, and it has three seals of fire in the deck because it <laughs> grows Tarmogoy. If it gets cast off of Luris, yeah. it kills their Luris. It's just a better dead weight. Like, yeah, it's missing some spell bombs. Well, no, I, yeah, it's missing some spell bombs. Yeah, you could probably find some room for some spell bombs in but here. I think that people are will eventually adapt that yeah but um yeah i mean four color luris another one of the bigger archetypes people are doing all sorts of different things with it so yep i mean the card just like makes unplayable things playable kind Mm -hmm. of you know delver was never good in modern but since like for for a very very long time well hot take though it's still not good. Okay. But like you... But it, it is like a Loris strategy right. for sure. And those are better than everything else. So. Loris at least gives these unplayable decks like the ability to spike a tournament mm-hmm. where they pretty much just didn't even have that ability before. Right. Yeah. So pretty wild. Pretty massive half of the decks that you pulled off of Goldfish were Loris decks. Yeah, over half. God. And, and it's like two hundred and five archetypes. Oh so. man. Yeah, a lot. That's also based on my experience playing in leagues. Sounds about right. Yeah, like when my opponent does not reveal something, I am surprised. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, same thing um, in standard. Yeah, like same thing in pioneer. Just yeah. well, in standard, I'm like, okay, so they're teamer wreck. Right. Okay, that's true. There's <laughs> like one very playable deck yeah. in standard with no companion. Right. Um, but in pioneer, also, yeah, you got to bring your friends. Yep. Yeah. And either Yorian or Luris. Those are the two best friends. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, it, it just feels... You know, there have been plenty of games with a hero mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's that you, like, have a character who, who, you ca- who you can cast or who, it like, your whole game is centered around. Or even just in Hearthstone with, like, the hero power 
like having something that you start the game out with is something that those decks are built around when you take a game that's developed and it has existed and has not had these things and most of the cards are not keeping that concept in mind and then you introduce only 10 of them with like wildly varying power levels <laughs> then the the fact that the eighth card is so powerful and then the gap between the top companions and the bottom companions is so large you're just gonna end up with these formats that are really constricted around just mm -hmm. whichever the good companions are yeah yeah, and right, so this, like, early time in only 10 companions, I think it's going to be the roughest. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to, because, like, these eternal formats, let's not kid ourselves. There's always about five, like, best decks that you can choose sure. from. Sure. So, but if, if, and if those turn into five companion decks that are different, right. I think I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I mean, it's just... But two is, like... Right. Come on. Yeah. Uh, give me a little more variety. So. I mean, it, it, it really is, you know, they just threw a complete wrench into the game of Magic the Gathering, basically. Mm -hmm. And they have to fix it by either taking the wrench out of the system or, like, redesigning the system to accommodate having a bunch of wrenches rattling around in there all the time. Yeah. I don't know. This metaphor got away a little bit. <laughs> wrenches and stuff. Yeah, wrenches and stuff. Wrenches, you, 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 you want to use your wrenches to fix things, not destroy them, but... <laughs> yeah yeah tools are for building <laughs> so we have a pioneer tournament coming up this weekend true once this episode comes out it will be about three days out so that is going to be on sunday may i'm quarantined don't know dates uh sunday may 3rd is going to be our lotus box pioneer tournament if you are a patron of this podcast then you have free entry into the tournament yep. um as well as if you our patron of Lotus Box or sub to Zan or the Lotus Box Twitch account. So that tournament is happening. We're going to do coverage again. Been growing and, and learning and doing better each time. You but be there. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so now it is time to talk about what's going to happen in that tournament. Yeah. In... Prediction time. Yeah. I mean, Pioneer has been just as upset by companions mm -hmm. as the other old, I mean, as every format centered as you said around Luris and yorion yeah um so can we just kind of go over what those main companion archetypes are that are doing well and and there is one deck in pioneer your opponent in a league does not reveal a companion and you're like oh okay i know what you're on sure and uh so you know it's got its one yep <laughs> that kind of functions similarly to teamer wreck in in lotus breach <laughs> and uh the rest of the format is really about just grinding stuff out with these companions. It seems that way. Yeah. So right, Breach, and this is this story behind this is kind of funny. Where Breach was the first deck that we in our minds was like, oh, we can just put Luris into this one for free, right? And it's great. Turns out we were wrong about that <laughs> by one card, and it was one very crucial card. Yeah. Um, Vizier. Vizier of Tumbling Sands. Tumbling Sands. Yeah. Just too important to have your your twiddle that draws mm -hmm. you a card. Yeah just makes the deck run a lot more smoothly and the Luris only adds something to the deck really if your opponent is disrupting you in a way that like puts breaches into your graveyard yeah and that already was something that we had ways of mm -hmm. playing through pretty well yeah so um yeah so you know breaches the non-lurus the non 
companion deck. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are kind of a variety of decks in each of the other companions. So Lurus has, I think the big Lurus deck that everybody knows about by now is the Black White Auras deck. Right. So this is just the Bogle's strategy of you play SRAM, Hateful Eidolon. Hateful Eidolon. And you are guaranteed access to a creature in Lurus, but also you just get to play this grindy game where you can always rebuy either your creatures to Mm -hmm. always have some creatures around, or you can even start like rebuying equipment. Or not equipment, but auras auras that were uh, killed off of your other creatures. Yeah. So that was the first like Lurus deck that was very successful in Pioneer. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Burn in Modern, you didn't have to change a single card in the deck. Yeah. in order to put Luris in there. So it's in there. Very easy inclusion and just is a powerful way of making up for the weaknesses of the deck, mm-hmm. which is, you know, if you get swept, if you get disrupted, like sometimes it's really hard to put something together in a Boggles deck. Yeah. But Luris obviously solves that problem. I've heard that, like I was listening to uh Zach and Harlan's podcast mm-hmm. today and they were talking about just like some of the Harlan was talking about some of the plays that he makes with the deck, including like you sacrifice your Alcide of Life's Bounty to target one of your guys that has auras on it to kill your auras <laughs> so that you can recast them with your and draw more cards with your SRAM. Yeah, just like, keep going. You just like keep going through your deck. Like you just have so much like redundancy and ability to rebuild that sometimes you do it to yourself because that's so mm-hmm. powerful in the deck. Right. So the deck is is quite good. Yeah, very powerful, very explosive, too. It's like one of the faster decks that exists in the format, in my mind. And very good if your opponent is competing with you on the board with creatures and stuff. Yeah, They're not going to beat all that glitters on a giant lifelink guy or something like that. Yep. But Lotus Breach really emerged Mm -hmm. like sort of after that, and I think competes pretty well with these... Uh, yeah, auras decks, and honestly, I think that the success of Lotus Breach is due to the popularity of these auras decks. Mm-hmm. Is that Breach players looked at this format that began to be dominated by all these auras of uh, auras decks and was like, "I'd love to play against that deck." Right, and pretty quick turnaround on this. Yeah, if you look at the uh, Super PTQ, mm-hmm. which happened, I think, on April twenty fourth. Yeah, yeah, April twenty fourth. Bunch of auras of auras. Orzov Auras, bunch of SRAM Auras <laughs> did very well. Several X1s, uh, and then just kind of like you find more copies of those decks all the way down. Pretty quickly, though, when you look at the challenges the next two days on mm-hmm. the 25th and the 26th, it almost disappears, at least from the very top of the standing. And there's just a bunch of like Lotus Breach decks yeah. in the gaps. Yeah, Lotus Breach definitely you know rose up and squashed those a little bit and but there's another archetype that i think would like had a good matchup against that deck anyways and i think people discovered was really popular which was this it's 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 old standard bant with your eye on yeah <laughs> it's pretty much just what it is yeah um, um so that deck plays supreme verdict and that card cleans up these uh, auras decks pretty well right and the auras deck has a defense against Supreme Verdict, which is uh, Karametra's Blessing. Mm-hmm. Makes a, one of your guys indestructible. You can make your one important guy indestructible. But you can't do that if there's a Teferi in play. So right. uh, the Bant decks have ways of playing around that particular thing happening. These Bant decks seem to keep getting listed on Goldfish as Azorius Control. 
but that is not what they are. It, they're they're Bantex. They're playing Growth Spiral. And okay, so it looks like it's gotten renamed. Last time I looked at this, Manguchi's list was called Azorius Control, but it is now banned. So that's good. Big ol' Yorion deck, Thraven Inspector, Seder Wayfinder, Nissa Vastwood Seer, a bunch of Uros, mm-hmm. a bunch of Teferis. It's <laughs> it's just standard. <laughs> yep. You get your Teferi Hero of Dominarias. Uh, Seder Wayfinder is a cool inclusion. Course of Prefix is a cool inclusion. Mm-hmm. But the shell of um, Elspeth Conquers Death, Uro, Teferi 3, uh, you know, yeah. uh, even plays Growth Spiral. Yeah. It's just really great. Um, this is also this baffling end you know already a pretty playable removal spell in pioneer but has been showing up as a four of in both this yorian deck and like the mono white yorian decks and this is a really blinkable removal spell Mm -hmm. you remove one of their real creatures with it and then at some point you play your 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 yorian blink it you give them a three three and then you exile another creature that three three there's no way that thing matters at this point (laughs) yeah like you're just getting an extra removal spell out of your yorian and that's really good Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also saw a couple of these lists, uh, I think, sideboarding some, like, Reflector Mages or something. So, like, I think that that was just, like, a meta call. Mm-hmm. You, maybe you're playing against a bunch of creatures. It's good against the Orzhov decks. Sure. Uh, but also being able to f- blink your Reflector Mages uh, most often to bounce the Baffling End token that yeah. you made <laughs> is pretty hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Yorian is very powerful yep. as a free card in your hand. Yes. It, it is good enough to warp your deck building around by playing the extra cards and by tilting your removal suite and your cantrip suite towards like enchantments you know playing omen of the sea is really not like the card is just like pretty decent to cast Mm -hmm. and and having it sitting there knowing that you're just stretching out this game until you can cast your yorion and you get an extra preordain off of your your like it, it just like feels really good to have omen of the sea sitting there yeah no, yeah, for sure. Over the Sea is so great. It's the it's the preordain we we always wanted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it costs two mana, but it turns out now that be, having it be on a permanent is really good. Mm-hmm. So it, it yep. gets just those extra points that we had no idea it was going to get. Yep. So Mono White Devotion has, you know, it still exists. It is now a Yorian deck. Yeah. It is, you know, playing that baffling and Elspeth Conquers Death package, and most of the lists seem to be splashing blue for Teferi and Reflector Mage. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm not, and I think that the reason behind that was because of the popularity of these Orzhov decks. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if these Orzhov decks end up getting hated out a little bit, if that'll, if the blue will disappear from these decks, or if, Maybe. like, hey, we're playing 80 cards, we might as well play these great three drops yeah i mean if it's not and i mean it definitely impacts the mana like you're playing a temple you're playing irrigated farmland so that's eight comes into play topped lands which is like playing six comes into play top lands in a 60 card deck so mm-hmm. that's that's a significant amount so depending on how fast the format is and how often you need to play your stuff on curve i could see that being a pretty real cost but reflector mage and teferi are both like teferi especially is an excellent card reflector mage is a pretty good card in this deck and also just because you have yorion like (laughs) these are really good blink targets yeah no absolutely and the more of those we can get in the deck the better yeah i I mean splashing blue a little bit costly especially you know it's another allied color mana base in pioneer which is not the thing you necessarily want to be doing and one of the cool things about the mono white deck was you just your mana just always worked super well right very clean but 
Maybe yeah, not. but I think it's worth. Probably yeah. is worth. I think the power level is worth. And it's, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, I, I do think this is like one of the better shells for Yorion. Yeah. In this format. The Karns are no longer in the deck. I just think that you really don't want to dedicate your sideboard to that right now. Right. This is the main issue. Yep. You, have, you have 80 cards, so it feels like maybe it's like worth slapping in there. But I think mostly this is like a mid-range creature like beat down east strategy yep so yeah and the sideboard slots you know when you stretch your deck out to 80 cards it's like you've gone down to 11 sideboard slots anyways right um and that's and i think a lot of people have talked about this but to me that is often the biggest drawback of the 80 card deck is your sideboard cards are just stretched pretty thin Mm -hmm. so it, it can be tough to construct a wish board and also have an effective sideboard Right. When your deck is this large. Yeah. Yeah, now your sideboard is all of a sudden filled with your companion and all these artifacts. Right, that's so that's true. It's like yeah. one less slot even. Right. Yeah, but. yeah. you're already down to a 14-card sideboard. Then you stretch those 14 cards between an 80-card main deck. And then, yeah, you're, you're so taxed that it becomes difficult unless you can really, like, cover all of the sideboard cards that you want with just, like two four ups or something sure and in standard that's pretty doable because the only sideboard cards are mystical dispute and ether gust <laughs> so yeah in in pioneer i'm not sure that that is yeah. true yeah i think pioneer is a little more wide open yep the other deck that if your opponent doesn't reveal a companion could be they could be on good old faithful inverter yep. yeah inverter is one of those weird decks where i think inverter is clearly still very strong Mm-hmm. But I've seen the popularity of it tank. And I wonder if that's because people are excited about companions. They want to play them. They know that they're broken. And, you know, people are tired of Inverter. Yeah. <laughs> they just, like, if you're, it's like, okay, Pioneer's new and interesting. Let's play Inverter. I, I don't think is something that really uh, is something that people want to do. But it's likely still a tier one deck. Sure. Um, in my mind. I mean, you are playing a Fiddle Push Thoughtseize deck, and then your opponent reveals Alluris. You Not feel great. like a little behind from the yeah. start. Not great. And Fatal Push in Pioneer, I know we talked about this before, but is a lot worse at taking out three drops yeah. in this format. There's just, especially in this deck, like you have your four Fabled Passages, and which you four... can't even do on turn three, right? Effectively, and uh and that's you know that's kind of it well your your jace friends prodigies sure do it too yeah yeah but that's you know while that does happen sometimes setting up that sequence right when you desperately need to kill a creature is not it's it's just hard to line up right flipping a jace is like a goal state mm-hmm. in and of itself it's right. not an enabler for something else yeah. the way that cracking a fetch yeah. land is and if that happens to allow you to you know fatal push something important get on you but right. it's not like it's not like something i'm gonna rely on yeah so yeah definitely yeah so luris is definitely more protected from that sort of removal mm-hmm. although fatal push does kill everything else in the luris decks so true that is yeah. everything else is a two or less yeah so i do think fatal push is good in some capacity for sure yeah um and i was noticing that in uh modern as well because mm-hmm. the fatal push just kills everything sure you know and in modern it's a lot easier because it kills everything and their luris yes because so, right. the fetch lands and you don't need to like save fetch lands for your fatal push if you've already dealt with the luris you know that it kills everything and they're not gonna just like you know slam a tireless tracker against you or something like mm-hmm. that one sideboard card that i really like in 
inverter right now is Kalitas Trader of Get. Oh yeah, that, it just just anything that can exile stuff. Yeah, <laughs> is good. Exile stuff gains life against um, one of the other big Luris decks in the format, which I think has been kind of growing in popularity. And I think one of the reasons is that it is quite good against Breach, mm-hmm. um, and that is the aggressive burn deck sure. with Luris in the side, Luris as its companion. Yeah, I've kind of been high and low on that deck. Mm-hmm. Um, when I initially saw it, I was like, ooh, this looks great. This is exactly what I would want to be doing in this format really early. But it is kind of mopey. <laughs> it's not It's not extremely... It, I, like, And maybe this is just coming at it from the perspective of a modern burn player. Sure. But it's just like isn't close to on that power level. Mm-hmm. You have to play some kind of bad cards. Some of them are situationally bad. Yeah. And I wasn't happy with it. And then it you just fold to hate, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, and I think your matchup against the Auras deck can be really hairy. Mm-hmm. You know, if they yep. put in all the glitters on a lifelink creature, yeah, you lose. Yeah, it, right. You're In that matchup, you're really leaning... Like, game one is pretty horrendous for you. And then post-board, you're really leaning on your like your exile effects. Mm-hmm. You play the Chain to Chained the, to the Rocks. Yeah. Rocks. Which is good removal because yeah. if they go to protect their guy from that, all of the white auras fall off of their guy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that is, you know, pretty decent. Yeah. But game one, you don't have Game those. one, you're just kind of like hoping that they don't assemble yeah. something good and lifelinky against you. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a tough order. Definitely. Yeah. You're also like stretching your mana pretty hard to splash Luris into your mono red deck. <laughs> True. Yeah, the mana. Yeah, the mana there is not great, but you know if you're trying to beat breach, this is a pretty solid way of doing it. You're yeah. you're just as fast as them. You have main deck Eidolon, which well, you know they have spells that don't get caught by Eidolon, but Eidolon's still good for like eight to ten points of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then boarding an Ash Zealot, and I think Ash Zealot is a really good card right now, and maybe depending on how you think the metagame looks, it yeah. may be worth main decking. I could see that for just, sure. There's a lot of cards getting cast out of graveyards. Sometimes you just need a two mana two two. <laughs> well, but I'm saying it's not just a two mana two two anymore. I, I get it for sure. And you can recast it with your Luris too. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, I, I I think actually one of my big problems is with... it is it symmetrical? Does it hit you as well? Oh, probably. It was okay. from you know before nothing was symmet. You know before everything mm. was all upside. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Before before all the cards were good. <laughs> Those were the good old days. I do think one of my biggest problems with the burn deck is that it is a Luris deck that in the Luris mirror can never draw dead weight. Mm. And that's the most important card when you're both playing Luris. Yeah, no seal of fires. No pioneer. No seal of fire. It's so sad. Right. So you don't have any sort of like repeatable removal sources to keep their Luris and co down. And, you know, if they just start dead weighting you you're in a lot of trouble potentially yeah so how do you want to attack this format from here what what do you think is going to be the best thing to be doing keeping in mind like breach has shown up Mm -hmm. is breach still going to be good or does it get hated back out really quickly because that's very easy to do well you're right so i mean if i am going to be walking into a pioneer tournament i i want to be prepared for breach it's demonstrated that it can compete right now so i want to be ready with my damping spheres Mm -hmm. and in the past we've definitely seen how that is effective at hating out 
Breach, mm-hmm. is if everybody's just loaded up on hate, then Breach really struggles. Yeah. So I'll, I, I definitely just have to have a read for, like, if everybody has that mindset, like, say, okay, for, like, the Lotus Box tournament this weekend, what is my read? Is my read that people are going to come in prepared for Breach or not? And right now, I think that people will be prepared for Breach. Right. So. I'm just kind of scrolling through these uh just the the april 26 challenge lists and just like peeking at their sideboard and certainly once we get down to like these inverter decks there are actually way fewer damping spheres as i'm scrolling through these lists than you would kind of expect i mean you know obviously you don't want to play against these burn decks but you know i I think it's yeah i'm not like honestly looking through all these lists like you have to get to the mono white decks the mono white decks mostly have four damping spheres because they can't win otherwise right and i think that your mono white matchup as breach even with four damping spheres is still going to be fine because you bring in your your disenchants Mm -hmm. and like if you can just set up a sequence to remove that and then go off right there's not really anything else that they're doing i mean they've they've got their two gideon's interventions okay yeah (laughs) but you know they they in their 80 card deck their two gideon's interventions pull a lot less weight yeah that so that's like having one and a third gideon's interventions in your 60 card deck yeah it's not it's not that many and you know and again it, it doesn't it's not going to feel like you're playing against four damage spheres it's going to feel like you're playing against three yeah because of the extra card yeah uh quantity so yep yep that's true yeah so i i would not and you know it's just such a like mopey ponderous creature deck that mm-hmm. you know is good at interacting on the board, but you're not worried about walking Ballista in your breach deck unless it's also with Heliod and you're stumbling and not doing stuff quickly enough. So, yep. Um, yeah. So I like honestly looking at all of the sideboards here. I think that breach is going to be in a really good spot. Um, my I think that my go to though for this weekend, if I had to choose a deck right now, mm-hmm. would be Bant Urion. Sure. Um, I'm just still pretty enamored with that shell mm-hmm. uh, i think that it is just really really clean you have a lot of like good powerful cheap things to do and then a late game that people are not going to be able to keep up with and i think that that combination is just really really strong yeah and actually looking at Minguchi's list here like he doesn't have the damping spheres but what he does have for that matchup is quad ashiox eraser <laughs> yeah and that's pretty good that that'll stop you from comboing off you're, right if one of those gets down on a breach or on a, a lot of combo pieces yeah. yeah at least it doesn't work on your fey of wishes you can still cast sure. granted yeah. if one is locked out by ashiox erasure mm-hmm. but yeah uh if it comes down on a breach or if you have to like spend an spend when you're not totally ready to combo off and you have to cast a pour over the pages and then it just gets like nabbed by an ashiox erasure yeah that's that's rough that's not gonna work out very well for you yeah uh, I really, really like Minguchi's list. Yeah. Um, his, his list looks very good. Yeah. So. It's super clean. Thraven Inspector, Seda Wayfinder, uh, you know, all these cards are great. Yeah, it's just um, a list of very good cards. Mm-hmm. And Nissa Vastwood Seer, because it's, like, fine yeah. with Yorion. So. And you play a bunch of powerful four-ofs and a also a ton of cantrips. Mm-hmm. So I think that you're going to be finding the same spells... It's not going to feel as much like an 80-card deck as a lot of these decks yeah. do. So many of your cards draw an extra card. Yeah. Uh, your Thraven Inspectors, Seder Wayfinders, Teferis, Ops, Grow Spirals, mm-hmm. Omens. All, like, all these cards are going to be turning through your deck. So yeah, I think that you're just going to be able to do all of that and then 
set up a good Durian turn and that should end it. Yeah. Game one against Breach definitely looks mm, impossible. <laughs> it's not great. You, yeah. You, none yeah, of your you cards, just, you just lose. none of your cards do anything. <laughs> you just lose. So you may have to board in more than Ashiok's Erasures and Mystical Disputes. Mm-hmm. You may have to have some amount of damping spheres or something. Yeah. And, and, I believe that you are supposed to be prepared to play Breach this weekend, but you are not supposed to play Breach this weekend. Sure. I, I think you will play against it a reasonable amount, but I I think that, you know, people in the know will be bringing the hate for it, and yeah. it's it's just not... It never lasts more than about a week in Pioneer. It Yeah, it feels like it doesn't. But, you know, who knows? Things can change. Anybody can put together that Damping Sphere Mystical Dispute board plan. wombo combo and it, that's just <laughs> yeah. so hard to work through right no it is for sure but yeah so that i think that would be my starting point right now in pioneer mm-hmm. is uh i think that out of all the decks this is the one i'm most impressed with yeah so figure out a plan that works against breach and uh, like i'd be very comfortable playing this against any of the Luris decks and yes. oh yeah this deck crushes the Luris decks yeah so and, and i i would prefer this side of the like mono white in the yorian like mono white versus this in the like yorian mirror like mm. i would definitely prefer to be on this deck maybe that is some amount of bias because i just like casting the cards in this deck a lot more i would rather be casting omen of the sea and thraven inspector and uro than like all of the like all right here's a gideon yeah the, the, the white deck does so <laughs> yeah gideon like i can stretch right. my bant deck out to 80 cards <laughs> can we really stretch a mono white deck out to 80 cards it's rough yeah we haven't been printing very good white cards in the past you know eight well, years but they're all mythic rares <laughs> they're all so mythic. you get to play a bunch of mythic rares typically i mean that's usually a winning strategy yeah it's my favorite uh strategy in limited for sure <laughs> I mean, yeah, you don't have a lot of control over that situation. Love opening some Mythic Rares. I do like opening some Mythic Rares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the... God, there's just four Charming Princes in this deck. Yeah, oh yeah. Which, like, I guess if you have... Since you have built your deck to have stuff that is worth blinking, mm-hmm. because you have, like, Reflector Mages in there. Reflector Mage, Arcanist Owl. Yeah. Thraven Inspector. Inspector. There's plenty of I stuff. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's like... You spent a whole card blinking right. a thing My favorite and getting part, a 2-2. Yeah, yeah, for sure. My favorite part about this deck is that it still plays the combo, but like even before with the 60-card versions of the deck, you'd rarely combo. Right. <laughs> and now it's just much less likely. Yeah. So that's, it's kind of funny. It, but it is, it does kind of highlight the fact that this isn't a combo deck. Right. This is a mid-range deck. And it does mean that when you are playing against this deck, you should allow yourself to be dead to the combo like it is right to let mm-hmm. yourself be dead to the combo more often than it was before because right. they're going to have it a smaller percentage of the time yeah for sure um but yeah so kind of a weird dynamic there for sure mm-hmm. yeah um any other interesting decks from pioneer that you would like to talk about I'm just like scrolling through some of these lists and trying to see if there's anything that we kind of missed Oh, yeah. I, I do want to talk about some of the stuff that is gone from the okay. format. Yeah. I think that the Garuda deck, like, that deck's place is kind of, like, in standard, you can consistently cast Garuda on turn four. Mm-hmm. 
but you don't always get there on the flips and also it's super super disruptible yeah um in pioneer you can always cast garuda on turn four and you kind of always get there on the flips because sure. you have so many more clones and you're not doing the like end of turn blinks there's a surprising amount of clones in this format <laughs> I, was, I was really surprised when i looked at this list i was like oh whoa okay <laughs> so you can kind of always get there but it's closer to the pivotal turn of the format in pioneer like your opponent may be on the verge of killing you mm -hmm. when you garuda anyways yeah like you can't garuda against breach and then hope that that's good enough because it's not going to be you can't even really garuda against like auras necessarily uh, you, you, you might have they to mill them jump their dude right yeah right they just give it protection kill you with it mm -hmm. you would have to you can mill them out with this version, so sure. that may be what you what you do there. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder how... I, I haven't played much with this deck, so I wonder how often your plan is just to mill them out. I don't know. But there are also two Dragonlord Coligans, so you can just, like, yeah. combat damage them that turn as well. Right, right, so, right. I think that that's, that's your primary plan, probably, in my mind. Yeah. But, you know, it's still got the same weaknesses as the standard Garuda deck, which is, like, if you get Mystical Disputed on your six drop <laughs> yeah i mean i think that garuda's just always gonna have that problem yeah of you like you need some strong way of being able to fight through counter spells and like the only thing i'm seeing in this list is thought not seer some, like a couple of thought not seers that's not good enough i don't think so yeah so like if you read is that nobody's playing counter spells i would consider playing this deck yeah but, but you know, Inverter's still a popular deck. Mystical Dispute is still the best sideboard card in pi in that and every other format in Magic. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to fight through Mystical Disputes all tournament long. Mm -hmm. Don't play a 6-drop that is blue as your win condition. As your, like, I have to resolve this card every game <laughs> Yeah, card. This is my only plan. My <laughs> I don't have any other plans. Hopefully I can draw enough Garudas to fight through your counter spells. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Garuda, not really a presence in the Pioneer metagame. Mm -hmm. One other deck that has completely disappeared is Monoblock. Um, yeah. Always kind of a mainstay. Never really that good after the Smuggler's Copter ban, but usually one in a top 8 or top 16 of mm -hmm. most tournaments. Right. Um, just can't keep up. Is it, is it finally gone? I think it might <laughs> we be. Can, we can finally stop I, I think you just talking get about how it, maybe it's good. <laughs> punished too much for playing this deck. And and I don't even the, the stalwarts, even the people who just really love playing these recursive creatures. Sure. Like, what good is it having a creature that you can spend a little extra mana on to bring it back when everybody else is just casting their creatures from their graveyard anyways yeah right and yeah and their creatures don't even have to have that text so right. they're gonna be much better they're gonna be <laughs> way better than your creatures yeah yeah poor mono black yeah it never really could quite get there and yeah it certainly never will while Luris <laughs> is legal i know that yeah. some people were trying it with obosh the prey piercer okay i don't i just don't think that's sure. enough yeah the way you have to build your deck is basically like like the the thing that i would be okay with is if you could just like load up the deck with just so many one drops mm -hmm. or if there wasn't a companion that didn't prevent you from playing the best card rankle yeah like you know you can't play rankle with obosh you can't play rankle with luris right. it's just uh you know it's tough right and i, I think luris is very bad in mono black because your creatures are just not things that you're like excited oh now i can 
cast my blood soaked champion from my graveyard right but you could you could already do that <laughs> yeah right like, yeah. we're not we're not getting anywhere <laughs> exactly um so yeah it's just not that good and you know thought is however much worse than mm-hmm. it was before and yeah and honestly that's probably the biggest hit that that deck took mm-hmm. was that it you know thought is, is has for a long time been just the best card mm-hmm. in any format it's been in and this was just a way of taking advantage of that. It's sure. like, you know, it's like, oh, one of the Thoughtseize decks right now is this aggressive shell. Mm-hmm. But now, like, if that was keeping uh, this deck afloat, it is no longer. So, yeah. It played in a lot of games like a very grindy deck. You have a lot of one mana, two ones in it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of games are really about Castle and Mutavault being like the leftovers after everything trades off and castle and mutavault are going to beat nothing certainly sure but they're not going to beat Luris, so you just can't win those games with your, <laughs> with your cards anymore yeah sad yep definitely oh yeah we should talk a little bit about scales okay yeah scales has been popping up a little bit in multiple formats mm-hmm. modern and pioneer um but it's there are some things that I'm not sold on with this deck. I'm not actually sure if Luris is where you want to be with this deck. Interesting. It probably is. Yeah. But there is a lot of consideration to how the Planeswalkers were certainly one of the better elements of this deck in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we don't have access to that. Um, but Luris is clearly broken. So yeah. being able to play with it is definitely not bad. And you get to play this more like Steel Overseer oriented strategy, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. But yeah, it's uh, it's I, it's interesting because I just I'm not sure if people are have figured out the best build of this deck yet. Yeah, and I think I wonder if this makes you more vulnerable to the Wrath decks now mm-hmm. because. Like, you know, Bant Yorian or whatever. You were always bad against the Wrath decks as Hardened Scales. Sure. Running Hangerback Walker helps that a certain amount. Mm-hmm. But the Planeswalkers were your hands that you were like, okay, I can beat this Wrath deck because I have Nyssa, I have Vivian, whatever. You don't have those, and you're relying on Luris, but everybody has Luris. So if somebody is playing a Wrath deck, they believe that they can beat creatures and Luris. Yeah. And so you having that, you're not bringing a new thing to the table that nobody else has got. Right. It's got to be some combination of like, I bet you can't beat this hanger back walker into this Luris. And <laughs> I mean, like, that's certainly good. Yeah. But it may just, maybe it just doesn't even like hit hard enough necessarily. Like, I guess you are really relying on drawing actual hardened scales keeping that in play like that's probably not a card that you board out against the wrath decks anymore right having some of your doublers is going to be really important i Mm -hmm. think no matter what so people have definitely adopted the the ozolith yeah pretty hard i think that there are a lot of good synergies with it so yeah um i could certainly see justifying multiple copies of the that yeah now and the ozolith is one of the reasons why I think, like, you just don't board out hardened scales, mm-hmm. even in the, like, very removal-heavy right. or wrath-heavy matchups. Like, you get to save some parts of your creatures for the next creature. Right. And and, and then it'll get a little extra boost yeah. with your with your hardened scales. Yeah, yeah. And and 
you know, when the plan, even when the plan was against Blue White, like, got to board out the Hardened Scales because they're killing all of my guys, and mm-hmm. so Hardened Scales doesn't really do anything. Then you draw a hand, and it's just like, this hand is just all voracious Hydras. <laughs> like, I'm never killing my opponent with these yeah. things with no Hardened Scales. Right, yeah. I, yeah, I do think that they are necessary to the deck, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, it's a cool strategy. Um, not, I'm not sure. I don't know. My, my spidey senses are telling me that it's not where you want to be. Yeah, but I, I, it's hard to put that into any rational reason at the moment. Yeah, I mean, probably because you want to play Vant, and like when I like want to play a deck in a format, and I'm like leaning towards it, mm-hmm. every deck that it beats just like looks atrocious to me because That's I'm fair. thinking about that deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know that matchup seems bad. So obviously this deck is bad, <laughs> and maybe that's like that could yeah that could be a part of it for sure. So you would you would lean toward just to like put a pin in this like sure. you would would lean towards the Bant deck and you would work on that for this weekend if you were playing in the tournament that's that's mm-hmm. where you would yeah. be focusing. Yes. Okay. That's where I'd be. Yeah. I think I would probably do the same. And I know I said this weekend is probably not a weekend to play breach, mm-hmm. but I probably would keep an eye on stuff and just like see what lists are coming out and maybe yeah. like play a little bit and see how much hate there is. <laughs> the Evan White House strategy. Wait, if you can catch people on a weekend where they're not playing their hate. Oh yeah, no, I I'm I've played plenty dredge yeah. in plenty of a f- uh, tournament, so yeah, I'm down to take that strategy. And and breach is just absolutely busted. Yeah, and there's a bunch of games that cannot beat it game one, mm-hmm. and if they didn't respect it enough to bring the proper amount of hate, and you know maybe people are building their Yorion sideboards badly for an 80 card deck for that matchup. You know they don't realize like okay, some counter spells and four pieces of hate isn't the equivalent. That's one fewer counterspell and three pieces of hate mm-hmm. like is is what that actually counts as and that is probably not enough so maybe people need to adjust you know if you can find a way to play the broken deck it's probably a good idea yeah but this deck does like in a second become unplayable in pioneer so <laughs> right yeah so you know and i, I don't i don't really want it to be playable in pioneer <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm gonna use my use my influence a little bit here and tell people uh, be prepared for breach. Yeah. I mean, I think if you want to win matches, you should do that. You should have your damping spheres. Like, yeah. It just is a thing that can happen, and people will be playing it, and like it will be around. Right. That, that's that's just how it's going to be. Yep. Let's just all gentlemen's agreement to pack some damping spheres. <laughs> Keep these dirty breach players out of our <laughs> tournament. Why don't I go to here? I want to yep. go to Discord. Okay. We're doing question of the week? Yeah, let's see if we can find a Patreon question. Okay. Pragyboog asks, what are your thoughts on the Planeswalker point situation? So for everybody who is not just constantly refreshing Magic Twitter, which honestly is probably very few of you at this point because of <laughs> quarantine. Yeah. So. There's not much else to do. I mean. I, 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 my phone ends the day at like 25% battery just, and I don't feel like I'm using it that much, but I guess I am. Yeah. I've started tracking my screen time. I, I don't recommend it. <laughs> no, it's because it's so. I mean, if you are actually going to reduce because yeah. of it, then fine. Right. But if you're just going to keep the same habits and just feel bad about it, then it's probably not the best idea. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So planeswalker points, you know, were rendered useless by the announcement that there were not going to be any more GP buys. Yeah. So. So I guess I. I, don't, I guess I have less thoughts and more questions about this. Have yes. you looked into like all of what's going to happen? Yeah. So they're getting rid of planeswalker points, and they're also getting rid of DCI numbers. 
yeah and that was the big thing that has taken over twitter yeah in terms of like i'm sad to see this go right i don't think anybody cares that planeswalker points are gone uh that's sure. that's really not a thing. the main complaint was that with that mm-hmm. the uh your planeswalker points website was your kind of your only window into all of your magic history yeah and that's what is also going to be leaving is that this big database of all of these matches that have been played is going to be gone yeah so yeah that's kind of sad it is kind of sad i feel a little less sad about it because at some point i had to get a new dci number for some reason and then Mm -hmm. i could never find my old dci number to combine them so i have like seven or eight years of magic that just aren't in my magic history anyways i see okay so it's like you've already lived this nightmare (laughs) this has already happened to me and i can't look back at just like 14 year old ccr's magic tournaments Mm -hmm. and and you know what actually like that did kind of bother me when i like i spent like an a whole afternoon like trying to figure out what my old dci number was and stuff and i i couldn't and it felt kind of bad like i wanted to go see all my matches at you know the game stores i played when i was a kid and so i i totally get it and it's not the biggest deal in the world you know it's gonna be fine we're still gonna play magic or not ever again play favor magic (laughs) who knows yeah magic online is now the only window that we have into these eternal formats so it's kind of sad but overall it just feels like kind of a just a misstep another misstep i would like how how expensive is it how difficult is it to just maintain those match histories just like have them sit there yeah or even just like you know there might be some other like i don't know enough about like data storage or whatever but like how much like does it cost them to just yeah still have it exist on the website and just say that we're not going to be using it anymore right versus like are they planning on using this for something else or are they really cramped for some website data storage i don't know yeah right and and so it's it's certainly not the end of the world or anything you know i i empathize with people who are like oh man i don't get to go and check my match history anymore you can and and at least it would be have been really nice if they provided like an easy tool to let you download your match history mm. and just provided a warning like, hey, this is going away. Make sure to download it into this Excel spreadsheet form or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Um, and they obviously don't have that capability right. set up. But you can go into it and uh, like max the number of matches that you can see and then just like keep hitting next. And eventually you get the whole thing loaded mm. and then you can copy and paste it. But it's sure. a huge pain in the ass, and if you accidentally refresh the page or something like that, then all of your, like, hitting next goes away. This is at least a, like, you were able to do this at one point. I honestly don't know if you still can. I remember this being the method to, like, port all of your data into some other website mm-hmm. that was, like, a, it, like, scraped all that data and yeah. made it readable. Yeah, yeah. I do, I do remember doing that. So maybe you can still do that. I don't know exactly all the tools mm-hmm. that exist, but... yeah. If you if you care about your match history at all, right, you go ahead and do that. I so guess. okay, so they're getting rid of the system, mm-hmm. but it served some sort of purpose before. What is coming in to replace DCI numbers? Um, I think it's just going to be like you have your like wizards login, and I think that it ends up being connected with like your arena account. I I believe I'm not 100 percent on this. Maybe Whoa. this is a Hold on. What a way to get people to get an arena account. <laughs> well, I don't think you have to have an arena account. It's just the same. Sure. Okay. Your DCI number will no longer be used. 
Yeah, so you're just using your wizard's account, which is like you use your wizard's account to log into Arena. Okay. And so, well, I need a wizard's account to participate in events at my local store, Magic Fest events such as a Grand Prix or Magic Esports. Yes, local stores and tournament organizers will be phasing out use of your DCI number. Check with your local game stores to understand when they will transition to your wizard's account. Which, so what do you just give them your email or something? Uh, pro, I guess. It, okay. it's, it's probably good that they're transitioning this in a time when there are no paper events at all. So It could have been a confusing time. Yeah, sure. definitely. Yeah. yeah, so it looks like it's pretty much going to be like your wizard's account connected with your name. And there's just also the account that you have your arena account on, which probably ultimately makes things like, you know, players tour qualifiers and stuff like that just a little bit cleaner and so sure. like i understand why they're doing this and why they're consolidating it and stuff and on like it is a good thing i think yeah and it would be good if the magic online account could also be this account at some point sure. because the like disconnect between the two i'd always reared its head when i had a reimbursement claim to make and then i had to go and log in and be like well i know it's not my magic online login yeah and i have no idea how to get into this reimbursement (laughs) site yeah that was always rough yeah um but yeah i mean you know new age yep so this is a good thing i think but definitely as always wizards could have handled the transition better right yeah oh well well i mean what do you what do you expect <laughs> i guess not much but <laughs> right why why did anybody think that this wouldn't happen yeah i don't know because it was a surprise wizards thank you for a good card game yeah <laughs> sometimes we're not making too many we didn't make too many value judgments about companions in this episode but Definitely, there was an undertone of... It's know, everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. Take it or leave it. I Look, I love our new friends. <laughs> okay. You don't have to, like, you know, blink twice if Luris is behind you right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm very accepting of, uh, of our new our new friends, the Companions. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that we get more of them so that we can have more than just two playable Companions. Yeah. I mean, it's one or the other. It's get yeah. rid of them all. Or I'm in the I want more of them camp. Okay. Yeah. So just a total transition of the game of Magic the Gathering into a, like a, you know, hero based. Yeah. I mean, game. you know, I'm not I'm not going to be the one who's going to be always anti-change. Sure. So um, I think change can be good. Yeah. And it, it is tough a lot of times, certainly, but it's got to happen. Yeah, I guess. I mean, this particular change and, you know, I think we just can see like that the game of Magic the Gathering struggles to fit this particular new concept into it yeah it's not a perfect introduction yeah i would say right so yeah like we were talking about we have gone so far afield from the patreon question at this point but um we were talking about like (laughs) the the underlying i don't like change (laughs) yeah so the introduction of planeswalkers and now you know you can't throw a rock without hitting somebody who is like super anti-planeswalkers yeah i don't want to hit people who are anti-planeswalkers with rocks it's just an expression (laughs) okay but you know there's a lot of people who really despise planeswalkers at this point yeah and i get it uh it warps magic magic Mm -hmm. is an extremely different game now that there are planeswalkers involved than from when before that was true yeah um and uh we talked about a couple of days ago how the introduction of planeswalkers really had a much softer landing than mm-hmm. the introduction of companions. Yeah. You know, the first cycle of planeswalkers included 
you know, Liliana and Chandra were like too expensive and just like pretty medium cards overall. Right. Jace was a, a card that was like focused on certain types of matchups more than anything else. Garrick is one of the most perfectly designed planeswalkers of all time, mm-hmm. and Ajani was like designed to fit into specific strategies. So when they were introduced, you certainly had like the naysayers of like, oh god, like a new card type, can't believe this, like look what these things do. But the, when they played out, it was just like, oh okay, these are like magic cards. Mm-hmm. Like they they contribute to the game. Like they're not insane or anything like that. They're sure. pretty fine. Yeah. And it was only once they started really pushing planeswalkers, Jace the Mind Sculptor, and then the legacy of planeswalkers from then on that ended up with static ability three mana planeswalkers with infinite loyalty that you know really made it like okay i'm maybe maybe dial it back a little bit on these yeah um companions started out with narset and teferi it feels like it yeah it certainly does feel that way so yeah and yeah i mean we'll see what the companions in the future look like Mm -hmm. or or don't look like Worst yeah. case scenario is we just get left with like two playable companions and <laughs> right. just kind of like it's everybody just, has yeah, them. Yeah, it's just Loris and Yorion <laughs> until the end of days. It's magic is now a dual deck. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, every single format is right. now a dual deck. Well, with that, we're <laughs> looking forward to casting our Pioneer tournament. Yeah, which hopefully is not dual decks Loris mm-hmm. versus Yorion, but we will see. Um, so that is Sunday, uh, May 3rd. We're going to start at noon. And yeah, come come play in it if you would like. Uh, if you can't play in it, definitely come watch. If you would like to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast to support the podcast. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, I am tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. The podcast is at MTG underscore grindcast. And Collins is also on Twitter at Collins Mullen. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great week. Peace.